السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على عبد الله ورسوله محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين The only person in existence whose life and every aspect of his entire existence is an act of worship to study is Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. No one else in existence, every single movement of theirs and everything regarding their existence would be an act of worship to study. The mere fact that you and I are seated here today by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in order to listen to something about Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is an ibadah, perhaps it might be the deed that is the tipping deed on the scale of justice for ourselves on the day of judgment that will be needed for us to go into Jannatul Firdaus. So do not underestimate a single deed, no matter how small it may seem, and do not underestimate a single sin, no matter how small it would seem, because that might just be the deed that saved you by the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah accept all of us to be true followers of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as one of the uncles said just before I commenced يَقُولُونَ بِأَلْسِنَتِهِمْ مَا لَيْسَ فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ Indeed, those who say that with their tongues which is not in their hearts are in great danger. So I want to thank the uncle. Their hearts are in great danger. So I want to thank the uncle really for his concern because we all try and every one of us tries to put into practice whatever we learn. First we learn and we endeavor. The intention of learning is to endeavor to put into practice. I want to remind you and I that we are all a work in progress. No one can claim perfection. No one can claim perfection. Perfection is for Allah. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the only being that Allah Almighty has chosen, the only human that Allah Almighty has chosen for the level of perfection beyond the rest of the creations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, it is an act of worship to study the movement of the eyebrows of Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the blinking of his eyes, the way he frowned, to, to study the way he looked, to study what his nose and lips and hair was like, what his beard was like, what his fingers were like, the movement of his fingers, the way he placed his toe in salah, out of salah, where he placed his hands, his fingers, the way his nails were, how everything was, where his knees went in salah and in sujood, exactly how they were, the feet and how they were, every single aspect. I've only spoken about some in fact if I can mention a few more just to put it into perspective the way he stood the way he sat the way he relieved himself the way he cleansed himself sallallahu alayhi wa sallam laqad kana lakum fi rasulillahi uswatun hasanah the qari who read the verses before us touched on this verse where we are reminded that indeed in everything to do with Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we have a shining example if we are to follow.
So to study the life, to talk about it, to conscientize people about it, in an hour or half an hour or three hours, we are never going to be able to do justice to the seerah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But what we can do and what we do do every year is to conscientize the people to encourage you and I to study the seerah, to study the sunnah, to study the, everything related to Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as he was born prior to his birth. It's an ibadah to learn. During the birth, it's an ibadah to know. Immediately after the birth, it's an ibadah to know where the birth was, how it was. It's an act of worship to know, to learn from how he grew up, what happened in the early years, the miracles that occurred, who suckled him and who took him away and where they took him and how they breastfed him and what happened when he was there, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And as he grew older, the incidents that occurred, how the clouds followed him in order to give him shade by the will of Allah, the instruction of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and where that was and the statements that were uttered by the non-Muslims regarding this great child at the time sallallahu alayhi wasallam and as he grew into a young man the qualities he was known by not a lie was uttered in his life he never insulted and abused anyone throughout his life nowhere before nubuwa or after nubuwa is it recorded that nabi muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam used an abusive word to belittle someone today those who are promoting the deen as scholars of the deen would use the most hurtful and abusive and insulting terms to refer to one another in the name of Allah. Yet look at Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So, yaquluna bi al-sinatihim ma laysa fi qulubihim. Indeed, it's the title of this talk today. Because in, in all honesty, many of us know the seerah. We know the qualities of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We are very, very far from them. Shaitan's trap is not just for those who are in the clubs and those who are in the pubs and on drugs. More than anything is for those who come closer and closer. He becomes more and more upset as you come closer, as you think you know, and as you learn, it's dangerous. May Allah Almighty grant us humility and humbleness. To belittle another in the name of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa the same man who is a Nabi of Allah, the greatest of all creation, who never ever insulted and abused and belittled even the kuffar with derogatory terminology. And here we are using the same words in the, same, in the name of the same Nabi of Allah. May Allah protect us and guide us in the true sense. Truly, the cleanest from amongst us are those with the cleanest of hearts. Here is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam telling his companions, do you want to watch a person? If you want to see a man of Jannah, look at this man. That man in actual fact was a person who had such a clean heart. He says, every night before I recline, I look into my heart and I don't have ghillun li ahadin. I don't have hurt and hatred against anyone from amongst our fraternity, from amongst the mu'mineen, the ummah. I don't have that hate. Imagine if that is a quality of Jannah, what do you think we need to do before we even get there? We need to watch our tongues, we need to watch the way we speak to one another, we need to watch because we have not studied perhaps sometimes with the right intentions in order to put into practice, but rather we do things and we think that we are justified 
May Allah Almighty grant us goodness. The Ummah at the moment is bleeding. Take a look at what is happening in Gaza. Take a look at what is happening all over. Take a look at how the Muslims are being treated. Do you not think they would come for you and I at the first opportunity they have? May Allah Almighty protect us. Wallahi, they would. By all means, they would. And therefore, we need to be careful one of their plans is to fragment us into the smallest of fragments. And this is why Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, This is a verse of the Quran recited by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the Sahaba radiallahu anhum heard it and they knew it, understood it and they cherished it and valued it. Remember the favor of Allah upon you. Remember the favor. Don't forget it. Think about it. Remember the favor of Allah upon you. When you used to be enemies, you used to be enemies. Allah brought your hearts together and made you by His will and His favor brothers you became brothers you used to be enemies are we not doing the opposite today we are brothers and we are becoming enemies the opposite total opposite brothers becoming enemies instead of enemies becoming brothers the favor of Allah is in the enemy becoming brothers by the favor and fadl of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you have something you want to address address it in the most beautiful way think a hundred times how would rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam have addressed this matter rather than fragment the ummah into a million fragments simply because we have our own pride may allah almighty protect us from pride la yadkhulul jannata man kana fi qalbihi mithqala habbatin min khardalin min kibrin he will not enter paradise in whose heart is a mustard seed's weight worth of pride. May Allah Almighty protect us. And what is pride? Belittling others, despising people, belittling them. You know when you insult someone and swear them and mock them and all of that, all that is part of pride. Islam, the Prophet ﷺ was asked, what is pride? He says, nasi, To reject the truth when it comes to you, and to belittle and despise the rest of the people. May Allah Almighty grant us goodness. I, my brothers, my sisters, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the way he taught the people, the way he addressed the people at the beginning in Mecca is absolutely important to study. The first words that were revealed were Iqra. You and I know that. It is an ibadah to know that. How did revelation come down? Where did it come? When did it come? What happened when it came? If you don't know this, you have to study it. I can't go into all of that in a few minutes. But I can encourage you, please study it because that is the greatest man ever to exist. No one will ever exist after him and no one has existed before him upon his level of greatness. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Chosen by Allah. So you know what happened when revelation came to him. Iqra. He said, Ma ana biqari. You need to go and understand it and look at it and see what it means. And then he came down. He spoke to his wife. What did she do? Subhanallah. She actually embraced him. She covered him. Another surah revealed immediately after or just after that. 
ودين ان مكه المكرمه والسوره المزمل يا ايها المزمل قم الليل الا قليلا الله انكارجينج ذا بروفيت محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ديسكرايبينج هيم از او يو هو ار انفلوبد انفلوبد ستاند ات نايت ستاند اند الله از تيلينج هيم تو ستاند موست اوف ذا نايت in voluntary prayer that time salah was not compulsory by the way it wasn't compulsory salah became compulsory much later after the mi'raj in the year of sadness but before that what happened is the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam spent his nights in in worship allah almighty revealed verses at that time in order to instruct nabi muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam what to do and in those verses he highlighted as a lesson for all of us what the condition of the people was what was the condition they worshiped everything besides allah they worshiped each other they worshiped money they worshiped objects they worshiped so much more against or aside from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they buried their children alive especially the daughters they stole from each other they harmed those whom who were weak when those who were powerful did something wrong they let them off and when those who were weak did something wrong they punished them penalized them why is all this mentioned in the quran in the initial years of makkatul mukarrama wallahi there was a struggle anyone who accepted islam was persecuted is there not a slight similarity in some of the countries and nations and some societies where people want to revert to islam immediately they face struggle they are persecuted by their own family they are persecuted by the people around them is it not true that in many countries when you are being a muslim who is living as a muslim you are persecuted there is islamophobia and that is true we are fortunate sitting in south africa that allah has blessed us with a level of freedom where we are free to dress as muslimin and this is why we say my brothers my sisters seize the opportunity while you have the freedom to do whatever you are supposed to do in terms of even your outward dress because they may come a day when that's going to go as well the countries where this has been taken away they had freedom some time back many of them tell you now wallahi we didn't use it when we had it now we regret it's not even an option according to the law of the land but what happens wallahi they are struggling they are persecuted you have to pay a fine to cover correctly in some countries imagine so that persecution if we go back to the lessons of makkatul mukarrama we will see that they were persecuted that way what did they do how did they deal with it allah gives them a lot of powerful words to tell them how to bear patience and what to do and what reward they will get for the patience they endure this happened in makkatul mukarrama and so we believe in revelation and the revelation that was revealed to muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam every verse to know where it was revealed why it was revealed how it was revealed what it entails is there a rule or a regulation derived from it how it applies if it is a story of the previous nations how it applies what is the lesson why did allah reveal it when did he reveal it what was it all about all of these aspects wallahi they are part and parcel of our duty unto the quran some of it is fardu ain and some of it is fardu kifaya and some 
some of it is a sunnah. Some of it, it would be good to know, but you don't have to know every detail. You're not a scholar. Some of it, you have to know. A little bit of it, you have to know. Some of the surahs of the Quran, every Muslim, it is compulsory for him and her to memorize. But you don't have to memorize the entire Quran. I'm sure many of us here have memorized the whole Quran. As I was coming here, they introduced me to someone and said, this youngster memorized the Quran from a very early age. Alhamdulillah. May Allah bless all our children. We have, we have a, an urge within us and we have some good teachings of our elders who have reminded us to give importance to the Quran. Therefore, we've memorized it. I, for one, memorized it when I was very little. And then there is something known as reading a Qur your Quran to someone who has a chain of narrators that will take it all the way back to Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. It's called an isnad. And if you read very well, they may give you what is known as an ijaza to give us an isnad to someone else. So initially when we became Huffad, we learned the Quran, we were excited, we had the Jweed, it kept on improving, we learned it and so on. When we grew older and we found out about the Isnad and the Ijazat, we happened to start following the path to say, let's confirm this knowledge straight back to Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. I remember there was a time when I used to read in the early years, one Quran a day, one Quran a day. It took about 10 to 11 hours. That's what it was. One Quran a day. And subhanallah, what was happening? You start off early in the morning, Surah Al-Fatiha. And you know what? Late at night after Isha, you're finishing Surah Al-Nas. And before you know it, that Fajr comes again and you're starting Surah Al-Fatiha again. And then before you know it, the Isha already comes and you're ending again. Subhanallah. I'm not telling you you have to do this. I didn't do it for very long. But at that time, I had just become a Hafiz. And I was still young and I wanted to revise in order to consolidate and to make it strong. And there was a time I led Taraweeh, 20 units in this masjid all on my own. I don't know if you guys remember. I came and led the Isha Salah. I led the 20 units of Taraweeh and the Witr. And I delivered a talk thereafter in this same masjid. Subhanallah. There was a time. This was in 2003. The connection with the Quran is something that will save you, my beloved brothers, my sisters. Wallahi, when you dive into the knowledge of the Qur'an, you will die not having completed all the disciplines of the Qur'an. When I was little, the first time I heard someone saying, I looked at the others and I said, this guy is making a mistake. He doesn't even know the Qur'an. Because we were little. And I said, what's going on here? And we, the kids, we're looking at one another and saying, this guy, why did they put someone like this who doesn't even know how to read Qur'an? Later on, I told my father, I said, you know, this, whoever they put there, if they put even a small baby from our madrasa, he would have read better than this. And my father said, no, no, no. This is another way of reading. What do you mean a way of reading? Wallahi, it took a deep explanation to explain to a young boy, myself, that this was important. You might not know it, but for those who have made the time and effort to learn it, Alhamdulillah, they learned disciplines of the Quran. There's not just one qira'a or one riwayah. There are so many more. Some of them are mutawatir. Some of them, they are well known. Warsh and so on. Have you known this? I didn't know long back. Then we knew. It sounded strange the day we found out. Similarly, if I were to tell you that in the Quran, to know what was revealed first and second, 
it's not a matter of you reciting the Quran or changing its order or you doing something clandestine. If you are studying it for the purposes of knowing revelation and how it came down and for knowing the, the, the specialization of the verses and surahs in Makkah and why and how and knowing that of Medina and why and how, then it becomes an act of worship and the duty. We are not fools. We are connected to the Quran in a very strong way. If anything, nothing, nothing is of meaning on earth except through the Quran. Nothing. That is the word of Allah. In fact, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, like I said, every aspect of his existence to study it is an ibadah. The biggest thing he ever brought to us was the Quran. And together with that, the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to explain to us. Did you know Jibreel alayhi salam used to come every Ramadan in order to study with Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam going through the Quran in order to present the verses as per the lawhim mahfuz or the preserved tablet. This is part of the seerah. Do you know it? Do you know which ones came first, second, third? In a lot of cases, no. Well, you don't have to know it. For as long as you know the order of the lawhim mahfud, that is the order of ibadah. It's the order of the Quran as we recite it in the Arabic language. When you're reading your farad salah, the imam is always told, in the first rak'ah, you should read something that is before the second rak'ah in sequence. So if I'm reading Surah Al-Duha in the first rak'ah, I should read something after that in the second rak'ah. How do I know the sequence? Well, it came down, Allah revealed it, and nobody will ever change it. There was never ever a dispute in the history of Islam regarding the number of surahs in the Quran. There was never ever a dispute in the history of Islam regarding the number of surahs in the Quran. Never ever a dispute in the history of Islam regarding the order of the Quran. There was never a dispute. Always, it is known, it was known. If you ask me to rattle it out, I can rattle it out from Surah Al-Fatiha all the way to Surah Al-Nas because we've memorized it. And many of us can. This is part of the seerah, part of the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. We should learn, we should understand. That is definitely something that we must know. But over and above that, if you know more than one qira'ah, is it not something good? If you told me, look, there are 50 major rules and regulations in the Quran, to know each one of them, is that not something good? We put together, for example, a booklet where the du'as of the Prophet wasallam are, and the du'as of the Quran are. Wallahi, it doesn't mean we don't believe in the rest of the Quran. Nor does it mean we don't believe in the order of the Quran. Nor does it mean that we've discarded the rest of it. This is just a book that's brought together, a manzil, or some hizb, or ahzab, or some du'as, or some form of knowledge that will, that will expand something for you. It doesn't negate the rest of what is in existence from the very beginning. May Allah Almighty protect us. So at times, we tend to lose focus regarding what came from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Because shaitan comes to us and makes us lose that focus. Go back to the seerah. Go back to the sunnah. Study every verse if you can. Study every surah if you can. To know al-makkiyyah wal-madaniyyah is part of your ibadah that will elevate your status. Because whatever you learn from the Quran, Allah will elevate your status by that knowledge if you learned it with the right intention. 
You know the tajweed. Many of us know how to read Quran not with tajweed. Are you making an effort no matter how old you are? If you are making an effort, Allah will bless you. When the people wrote the books of Tajweed, there was a lot of backlash. They said, where, where did it come from? Nabi didn't tell you about Ikhfa and Ivhar and Kalb and so on. Do you know what? The scholars who know and the scholars who have that Isnad and Ijazah that I spoke about earlier, Imam Jazari and the likes, they came up with the booklet in order to make it easy for you and I to know how to recite the Quran. It doesn't mean that they brought something that is unacceptable. If anything, they were only helping you to recite. They were only helping you to do something. Now, the world has accepted all of that. In fact, they may not even know when it started. People might think that these rules were laid down by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, yet they were not. But we believe in those rules because that's what brings to us, especially those who are non-Arabic speaking, it brings closer to us the correct pronunciations of the words of Allah. And let me tell you, the only words that we can say are the pure words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are the words of the Quran, the Arabic. As for any other language that people may try to explain to you the words, those words in the other languages are just the words of human beings trying to explain to you what it is all about. It's not the word of Allah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. The word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the Arabic, the Quran. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. I know I don't have much time, but I want to encourage all of you, my brothers, my sisters, Learn everything there is to do with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa No matter what it is. His movements, his frowning, his comments, the way he spoke, what he said, what he did. Times of war, times of peace with the elderly, with the women, with the families. Learn all of the aspects with the intention to put into practice whatever you can. And learn every single discipline regarding the Quran. Because the Quran is the gift of Allah for you and I. If we say Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Rasulullah, what is the risala? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the messenger. So what's the message he brought? It's the Quran. And the Quran closely coupled with the sunnah, which means his ways, his methods, exactly what I said earlier, to study all of it. And in this way, we will achieve the greatest success. After me, there are several other scholars who will be addressing you, inshallah. I pray that each one goes into different aspects of the sunnah. Every year we come, we discuss a different aspect. Today, I discussed two things. One is the importance of every single thing to do with Nabi Muhammad sallallahu and two is the importance of revelation and all things connected to that revelation things we may know things we may not know things we may have taken for granted if you have an opportunity to learn those things learn them wallahi it will expand your knowledge may Allah almighty grant us goodness aqulu qawli hadha wa sallallahu wa sallam ala nabiyyina Muhammad